0: Good to see you everybody. It's a beautiful day. I was told by someone it's supposed to hit the three digit today before the heat index, so it's gonna be a hot one today. But I'm kinda hoping that it's gonna be a fire in this sanctuary. A fire of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen to that? You know, the Bible says that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there's also the baptism of fire. And that's a whole nother level and a whole nother experience that I hope that everybody will experience. That experience can be related to a lot of things that happen to you physically, but also spiritually. When you're like Jeremiah, who says that I feel like there's a fire shut up in my bones because he tried to quit. And I don't know why I'm talking about this right now, but maybe it's for somebody. The book of Jeremiah is quite a long book, it's one of my favorite Old Testament books. And he was a young man, some say that he was a teenager, and that he was the only preacher that was preaching and prophesying the word of the Lord. And all the other prophets, they were under captivity at the time, they were saying that they were going to be released by the Babylonians in three years and they'd be leaving rich. And Jeremiah was the only one that was saying that they were going to be there for 70 years and they're not going to leave rich. And so they didn't like what he was saying. So according to tradition, they took him and they sawed him in half or asunder, if you would, with a wooden saw, and that's Bostonian for S-A-W. Cut him in half, there you go. And uh, he was the only one preaching the truth. He did not want to preach the truth, he wanted to quit. So he tried to quit, and as I mentioned before, in his removing of himself out of the ministry, if you would, and by the way, 3,800 ministers every month quit they working for the kingdom of God worldwide, and there's a great exodus, and the Bible says in the last days, there'll be a great falling away, but if you've ever been baptized by the Spirit of God and baptized by fire, just like Jeremiah experienced, you can't help but share the word of the Lord. You can't help but speak what saith the Lord. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. I am, I am your pastor's daddy. He is the Mazapika 2.0. He's skinny, he's strong, he's fast, he's young, but I have an edge on him. I have hair. It's colored, but it's hair. <laughs> Underneath this color, of several colors, because I, I use the box. It's cheaper out of Kroger's. I'm not paying them $100 to do this. When they asked me how you want your hair cut, I says, do something. You can't mess this up. <laughs> I've got a bald spot on the back of my head. And one time I had a young girl cutting my hair in the barber shop. And uh, she showed me the mirror and I said, what did you do? <laughs> I says, you cut a hole in my head. She was quick, fast. She says, sir, I'd be glad to pick it up off the floor and put it back. <laughs> but, nevertheless, glad to be here. So kind of your pastor to have me. He's preaching for me right now uh, in our church. Um, occasionally, I just like to come and just to see what's going on here. I, I can remember, and forgive me if you've heard this story before, but I can remember when we were first starting this church here in the woodlands, uh, we would bring over some 80 to 110 folks from our church every Sunday. Evening uh, in different buildings and schools um, before you've purchased this property, and when we would do that, especially on the first time that we kicked it off, we were just plastering the city with all kinds of campaigns to come to a spirit-filled church here, brand new, and and one person from the Woodlands showed up, and we told everybody from our church that was visiting not to tell anybody that we were from Humble, Texas. <laughs> Not lied to them and said that we were from the woodlands, but don't offer any information. Let them assume that we're here from the city, because if that one person finds out, she's not going to come back. <laughs> well, she didn't come back anyways. So we just kept coming until it started to build, and of course, it just took off, and we, we moved ourselves, and we were providing all the music and, and stuff and the monies and all that kind of thing, but you really didn't need an awful lot. I don't think we were in the picture for very long at all, actually, because... Um, the woodlands just needed a church like this, and I'm very thankful to to meet all of you. Amen. And you've got a good team. You've got a great a great staff. Praise the Lord. Um, before I ask you to lift your Bibles up, I'm gonna be using these two trees, these shrubs as as props. I understand that Frankie, Pastor Frankie uses a lot of props, so uh, I may as well just give it a go. I'm old school. Uh, I'm an old man. I'm 59. Next year, I'll be 60. And wow, I can't believe it. I've always referred to people that were 60 like, man, he's old. He's like 60. Well, that's what I am right now. That is freaking me out of my living lid. But I'm going to use these, these props to show you two different trees that are mentioned in the book of Genesis. One tree is called the tree of knowledge and of good and evil. Actually, they just call it the tree of good and evil. And the other tree is called the tree of life. And I had, I had run out of time during the 9 o'clock service, but I needed to finish off in Revelation 22. Unfortunately, Pastor Sarah did finish it off for me. The book, of, uh, the book of Revelation actually mentions that the tree of life that was once in the Garden of Eden has been moved. And when we go to heaven, we will find the tree of life in heaven itself. So if you can grab your Bibles and hold it up over your heads and repeat after me, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, I boldly confess that my mind is alert. My, mind is alert. My, heart is my heart is receptive and I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you so much. As you open up your Bibles to the book of Genesis, it's really easy to find. It's the first book of the Bible. If you can't find it, use your table of contents. And we will be in chapter something, in verse something, chapter number 2, verses 16 through 17. Then we're going to jump into chapter number 3, verses 1 through 6, and then verse 22. And then we're going to jump into the book of Revelation 22. Once again, I'm going to show you the difference between the two trees. I was told in between the service that there was a book written that sounds very much like this, that was written by Francis Pange or something, I did not read this book, but it was a confirmation that this must be a word of the Lord for you today. I have preached this sermon to my church, and it was very successful. I didn't know what to preach to you, and so while I went over this, I thought, this is probably, in prayer, this is probably the best sermon for this church right now, even if it's just for one or for everyone here. I will show you the difference between the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Now I'll show you clearly how in 2015 that many of us actually strengthen ourselves by eating from the tree of good and evil, and few of us actually eat from the tree of life. I'm going to try to show you that dichotomy, if you would, the battle between the two trees. So going into the book of Genesis, chapter number 2 and verse number 16 and verse number <clears throat> 17... It says here, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Jumping over to verse, I mean, chapter number 3, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to read it out of my Bible. You can use the screens if you need it. Verse 1, chapter 3, Genesis. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the, to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God said you must not eat fruit from the tree which is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. jumping over to verse number 22 and the Lord God said the man has now become like one of us knowing good and evil he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life I'm showing you the difference there are two different trees here from the tree of life and eat and live forever going to Revelation chapter 22 verses 1 through 2 It says, and the angel showed me the river of the water of life. I love this. I love reading about where I'm going to live. I love the idea that it's a gated community. (laughs) I really like this. And I could go on and on about this because this is really where my whole life is all wrapped about. Knowing about the second coming of Jesus Christ and reading about the throne room scenes and reading about everything that I'm going to see and everything that I'm going to hear. And and the Bible says that, I'm sorry I'm taking this little sidebar, but I'm so ADHD, it's pathetic. You think that my son is? That's nothing. (laughs) You're looking at the blueprint. As clear as I can say this to everyone, when you go to heaven, there is no Hollywood, no movie could touch. You cannot imagine or nothing has ever entered into the hearts of men The things in which God has prepared for them that love Him, The things that God has for you, there's nothing you can do to touch what is about to be presented to you. You think you know bushes and trees and and grass and fruit? You, You think you know gold and silver? Do you think that you understand gems and stones? Do you think you've seen all the animals? Have you think that one second you understand what angels look like? Do you have any comprehension of what angels sound like when they sing? You're going to actually see God. You're going to see him sitting on the throne. The Bible says this, For you shall see him as he really is, and you shall be like him. There is no human being that has ever been able to stand before God. It is like a candle trying to exist on the surface of the sun. It's an impossibility. We have to become from mortal to immortality to be able to take that kind of a hit. As a matter of fact, I have no time for this, but all of the angels of heaven are not able to stand before the throne of God. There are only certain angels that have that ability to stand before God Almighty. Many of them here on the earth that are ministering to you and I, that are in this room right now, they may not have that ability to go before the throne of God. It's that much of an energy hit. If you would read the description alone of what heaven sounds like around the throne of God, it is, it's forget about it level. It's like unbelievable. Is lightning and thunder that is right there, you see, in the source of it. You're not looking up. You're looking at the throne of God, and it's surrounded by clouds, and it's, cracking thunder and energy there is a waterfall coming and a river gushing out from the bottom of the throne of God he is sitting on the throne and know this that there is no body he is not a human being God is the only one of his species he says I've looked to my left I've looked to my right and I see no one like me there is only one God and one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus I better finish this scripture I'm sorry I chase something. That's God. Can I get that scripture back? Thank you. Then the angel showed me the, the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now ch- check this out. Down the middle of the great street of the city, Main Street Heaven, a boulevard. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. That is also that was found in the in the in the Garden of Eden bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Imagine a tree, if you would, that has 12 fruit on it. Now, I'm from New York and Boston area. You could tell by my accent I'm not from the deep south. But if you could pull an orange out of the same tree as a peach and and an apple and a pomegranate and, and, and a grapefruit, could you imagine that? but I have a feeling that there are going to be fruit on this tree of the tree of life that we have never seen, that we have never tasted before. I had a dream once where I was being lured into an old rickety church that looked like a church, but it wasn't right in my dream. And I was standing in a, in a lobby and everybody was running up the stairs and they were saying, come on, Maz, come on, follow us. And I saw a basket of fruit on the landing of the first floor. It was all wood banisters, like an old, old church. And I walked over to the fruit basket and I pulled a peach and I bit into it and it was very, very bitter and sour. I went, ah, yuck. And I thought, this can't be heaven. This would never have happened in heaven. I yelled up there because it was a spiral. I said, hey, y'all, you're going the wrong way. That's not the way to go. This is not heaven. I bit into this peach and it's bitter, but nobody listened to me and I just kept running and running and running. And the direction that I want to go is just that. Looking out of the eyes of the tree of life versus looking out of the eyes of, of a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Can anybody say amen at all? Let's get into it really quickly. There was only one law in the entire earth, in the Garden of Eden, with only two people there at the beginning, Adam and Eve, they had one law. And that law was, do not eat from this tree that was in the middle of the garden. You could eat from any other tree, but except this tree, you couldn't even touch. You could eat from millions of trees, and the tree of life but not this one. It is proven that human beings do not do something very well, and that is this. We don't do, don't do real good. We don't do, don't do. Because when we're told don't do, we do. I was preaching in a very, very high up in Houghton County area of the upper peninsula of Michigan to a bunch of Indians that were there. And as I was preaching to the Indians, I was sharing them about Jesus Christ. And one of the Indians raised their hand because I was telling them how the Romans and the Jewish people killed the Son of God. The Indian lifted up his hand. He says, if Jesus come to India, we will not kill the Son of God. I said, sir, I I respect you, but are you a human being? He says, yes, I am. I said, I know that you don't think that anybody else is a human being because there is a religion among you people that, only Indians are humans and everybody else are pagans. I get that. But all humans being told what they can't do, they will do. It's amazing though. How can you not avoid a tree? Can't you just say, don't go near that tree. We can eat from any tree but this tree. It's proven. Human beings will come over and go, you know, it looks pretty good. It actually looks very delicious. And then there was the serpent that was the devil luring him and her over to eat from the fruit of the tree. And she did, and she shared with her husband. It just stands to reason that I would not do that. Then it went from one law to ten laws. It's called the Ten Commandments. We shattered those from the top to the bottom, destroyed them. Then the Jewish people expanded the Ten Commandments into the Mosaic law, into the Talmudic law, and it became three to four hundred laws, and it was an impossibility to be able to keep all these do's and don'ts. But God was trying to show man that there was no way that we could be self-righteous or self-holy, that we cannot live for God and be holy all by ourselves, even if it just means just one tree. I used to use the example teaching children that if possibly you owned personally every chair and every couch and loveseat in the whole wide world. But you didn't own this one chair, this one wooden chair that's located far from where you live. It is proven that even though you don't own it and you're not allowed to sit in it, and even though you own all the chairs in the whole wide world, whether they're covered with Acrolon or, it's, or it has these beautiful gold trimmings on it and wonderful cushions, you will not be satisfied until you sit in that one chair that you're not allowed to sit in. Because it's human nature to do what you're not supposed to do. There is a tremendous battle that goes on inside of us. Paul says, I perceive that there is a war within my members. I perceive that I want to do good, but I can't. And then I perceive that I don't want to do bad, but I do. He feels that this fight inside of him, and it's much like what he said, that the spirit inside of him fights against the flesh, and the flesh fights against the spirit. And the problem with this is, is that many times the flesh wins. And this battle within ourselves is really all about our walk with God. And that's the reason why you're here. I believe that we have a choice. I don't think that we're robots, that you were created to go to heaven no matter what you do. And I don't believe that you are robots created and when you were born that no matter what you do, you're going to go to hell. I just don't believe in predestination. I believe that we have a say. The Bible says, take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine, continue in them. For in doing so, you shall save both yourself and them that hear thee. Another scripture says, take heed, let you fall. I'm trying to show you that there is a great dichotomy between these two trees, the desire to want to know. Well, let's talk about this first. This tree is the tree of good and evil, good and evil. This tree is going to enlighten this woman, Eve, with what is good and what is bad, The downside about this whole thing is that she is going to, when she pulls the fruit out of the tree and she bites into it, because the Bible says that her eyes told her that this was good. The tree of life, on the other hand, brings life. It's the life through God. The tree of life is really through the eyes of God what is good and what is bad. Have you ever met anybody or have you been guilty of determining something that is good But God says it's bad. Or you determine something that is bad, but God says it's good. As a matter of fact, we'll be talking about some very controversial things that are going on right now in our lives and also in our country that we are being told that things that are good are now really evil. And things that we've always perceived as evil, they're actually good. I'm going to try to share this with you. And if I mess up this church, just hold on. Pastor Frank will be back and he'll fix everything. (laughs) Maybe I'm just going to get Frankie back from all the things he did when he was a baby. (laughs) Mess up his church and just say, yeah, go ahead and fix it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. so this tree is also the tree of good and the tree of bad. The tree of good and the tree of evil. When she pulled the fruit from the tree, she ate it. She was butt naked, first of all. And then when she ate this tree, the Bible says that her eyes were opened and she understood guilt. She understood shame. She covered herself. She made herself an apron of, of leaves. But when she ate it, her eyes were opened, and here's what happened. She had a personal perspective that was different from the perspective of God. She had her own personal opinions that was different than what God said. By the way, God doesn't have an opinion. God doesn't take a poll. God does no surveys God is certainly not politically correct. He doesn't work with the majority. He doesn't care if there's only one. In one time, he'd wiped out the whole world because there's but one, Noah and his family. He doesn't care if everybody's doing it. How many times have we said that? Well, everybody's doing it. What he's going to kill the whole world? Yes. <laughs> He does, and he has plans on doing it again. The Bible says that the earth is reserved unto fire, and few therein enter into the kingdom of God, but the majority of people that have lived and the majority of people that are living and the majority of the people that are going to be living are all going to go to the lake of fire. I know that preaching hell is not a church growth way, I know that people don't pour into the churches. Hey, let's go to that church. He's preaching about hell. Yay! <laughs> but the Bible says in the last days that people will be running to the churches to have their ears tickled. Amen. Isn't that an end time thing? Oh, he makes me feel so good. I feel so good. I can do whatever I want. I can see my own perspective, my own doctrine, my own belief system. Have you ever met anybody that makes up their religion as they go along? Uh They make up their salvation as they go along. Oh, I don't believe that. No, hell's not like that. There's no fire and there's no devil. God says there's fire and there's a devil. But over here, there's no fire. That's old-fashioned. There's no devil. Have you ever met anybody that showed you what they believed hell looked like? I met one guy. Whatever you hate on earth, they're gonna, you're gonna have it on, on, in, in hell. Like if you hate snakes, snakes will be all over you. If you hate spiders, it'll be all over you. I want you to know that s- I don't like spiders or snakes. And that was a 60s song, or was it 70s? So I don't like spiders or snakes. So that ain't what it takes. I love you. <laughs> you see, I'm a Mazapika. What's worse is I don't remember where I was before I sang that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But spiders and snakes can't live in hell. One guy says, I believe that hell is you pick up, you push this big rock up a hill, and then it rolls back, and you gotta push it back up again. Homer Simpson loves uh, donuts. And so the, con- the, the conjuring of what hell was is that he would have to keep eating donuts uh, for the rest of eternity. The problem was that in, in, in The Simpsons that Homer broke the machine because they couldn't produce enough donuts to keep Homer satisfied. So what do you think hell looks like? The Bible says what it is, flames of fire through the eyes of God. Do you Have you ever met anybody that had an opinion about hell, had an opinion about heaven, had an opinion about what God does and what God likes? One of the terriblest things is that people that don't draw from the tree of life, he is the way, the truth, and the life. The problem is is that when we don't go in that direction, we have no concept of who and what God is. What he likes and what he doesn't like. Because whatever God likes, that's what I must like. And whatever he doesn't like, that's what I must not like. Are you okay with that? Personal perspective, self-grandiose, self-grandizement if you would, self-centered, egocentric, creating a belief system that works good for me. It's like (laughs) Build-A-Bear. Build-A-God. Let's put this on him. Let's put this on him. Well, why are you doing that? We already know what he looks like. We already know what he likes. Just read the Word of God. It tells you all about his characteristics, all about his traits, all the things that he can't stand. He actually hates certain things. Did you know that he hates certain personality quirks? Certain personality disorders? Yes, he hates the proud. The Bible says that. Well, what personality quirk is that? Well, people that are self-centered, people that are narcissistic, people that are violent. He doesn't like people that are violent. Well, where is that? Well, there's a personality quirk that are anti-social, anti-social, disorder. There's certain things that we should know of God that we don't know because we're drawing our own conclusions. I met a, an Australian once. He says, I know God. We're mates. We're tight. We're buds. He understands me. I understand him. He doesn't get into my business. I don't get into his business. Well, I mess with the Australians. Let's mess mess with the country folks. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. How can God not love what I'm doing when he knows how unhappily married I am as a wife or a husband? He knows what she's doing to me. He knows what she, he, what did I say before that? He knows what that other one is doing to me. <laughs> so I'm going to see this other woman. I'm going to see this other man. Because God sees how unhappy I am. He sees that she doesn't sleep with me. So I sleep with somebody because I am a man and God understands that. Did not he just make that up? the Bible brings out so many things that here's where we're going to get a little controversial hang on to your hats hang on to your wigs (laughs) rattle your jewelry I know you're out there the Bible says that God finds it an abomination for a man to sleep with a man it's an abomination which means disgusting it's an abomination for a girl to sleep with a girl but in the eyes of the world, in sitcoms, every sitcom has their gratuitous gay relationship. Every one of them. As a matter of fact, now we have same-sex marriage. Fortunately, we were able to stop the, uh, the, the ordinance in Houston until it becomes a referendum, and this just passed two days ago that same bathrooms are used by men that feel like they're a woman or a woman that feels like a man so that when you bring your uh, little girl into a mall that's in Houston, you won't be bumping into a man inside the bathroom because they feel that's equal opportunity, equal rights. Equal rights what? Equal rights that a man can use a woman's bathroom. I remember what that was called back in the old days. As a matter of fact, I remember when when you came out of a closet, it was usually because you had clothes in your hand. But now when you come out of the closet, you have no idea. You went in a man you came out a woman. I know it's quiet out here because why? We're scared to offend people's views, opinions, and perspectives. But what does God say? (laughs) Are you okay with that so far? Well, same-sex marriage, it doesn't offend me, it doesn't bother me, it doesn't affect me. I teach my children that boys can't sleep with boys and men and girls can't sleep with girls. But it does affect you. I'll show you how. If you're in a boat with me and you say to me, look it, you can believe any way you want, just stay on your side of the boat. We're in a, a canoe, let's say. You can stay in the back, I'll stay in the front. We'll just draw a line with a piece of chalk. And I say, okay, we'll just coexist. We'll just agree to disagree. Then all of a sudden, the other person breaks out a drill, and he starts drilling a hole in the boat. I go, what are you doing? He says, I'm drilling a hole in the boat. Well, the, it's going to leak. He says, well, it's on my side of the boat. It's not going to affect you. Oh, yes, it will affect me because the whole boat is going down. And that's how I see the United States of America. Yes, it does affect us. Personal views. Personal. My eyes were opened. What was it open to? Open to good and open to evil, but not the God good, not the God evil. Have you ever questioned, I'm trying to move fast here, but have you ever questioned, why in the world? Did God be, was God so harsh to Adam and Eve and kick them out of a garden just because they ate from the fruit of the tree? I mean, they were forever out, casted out of the Garden of Eden. They were thrown out. Why? Why was that an issue? It was because their eyes were opened. They saw good when it was bad. They became opinionated that was an opposite opinion of God. And once you have that rebellion in you, once you've come to the conclusion that you're going to debate with God, what you feel is good, what you feel is evil, this is far more cancerous, far more difficult to extract. So that was the reason why he... And she was thrown out of the garden because they were no longer able to walk with God. The Bible says that they walked together in the cool of the evening. They walked with God. After they were casted out of the garden, the Bible says that men walked after God, chased after God. And the reason why they were chasing after God is because they were trying to find God. But the only ones that could find God were those that were giving of all their mind, all their heart, all their soul, and all their body seek ye first the kingdom of God in all of its righteousness and then you shall receive all these things this was the problem what are the things that we find that are personal well what are the things that we find that is good that is man good but not necessarily God good like what One of those things like benevolence giving money to charitable organizations that's good God likes that, but to you, this is all very righteous and very holy, and this is your opinion. This is making you good. That's not true, because God good is not a person that just gives in charity. God good is a person that obeys God. God good is a person that has the knowledge and wisdom of God. God good is the one that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. God good is the one that fears and respects God. God good is the one that understands God's consequences of sowing and reaping. You know, there's a lot of Christians that will sin premeditatively. Knowing I'm going to sin right now, but later on I'll just go ahead and ask God to forgive me. I know that you've never done that. It was those 9 o'clock people that did that. (laughs) But the 11 o'clock people are much more holy. So I can say this about those 9 o'clock people. They sin in advance knowing that they're just going to ask God to forgive them later. The Bible says that God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. In other words, you may be saved. This may not be a salvation issue, but you're going to pay. The piper, because if you're sowing orange seeds, you're not going to get an apple tree. You're going to get an orange tree. So if you're sowing unrighteousness, unrighteousness will come into your life. If you're sowing discord, discord will come into your life. I talked to a pastor one time who split another pastor's church. And I said, you can never start a church by division. Division will never leave you, and I prophesied into his life. From this day on, I said, division will never leave you. You will always have in the congregation someone that is going to divide your church. To this day, this church has been cut up into three pieces, and the pastor, him, is gone, and he was on crack cocaine. Another divisive thing that happened to him, his wife left him, and his children left him. Another divisive thing that happened to his life is that he has no skill, so he's been separated from everything that has expertise so he is only a general laborer because division sown is division reaped i'm preaching good man (laughs) i'm gonna walk away saying i did good i'm bringing it i'm throwing down In Romans chapter 8 verse number 17, I'm sorry, Romans 8 and 7, it says, The mind governed by the flesh, the mind that rules the body, is hostile toward God. It's hostile toward God, alienated from God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it. It has no ability to. The Bible says that the gospel is hid to them that are lost. That's why your friends that you witness to in school, your friends at work, your friends in the neighborhood, these people that you have in your life, loved ones, that's why they just don't get it. It's because they can't get it. What they need is to see out of the eyes of God. I remember when I was being witness to I was retorting to them what I felt was right and I was in the Catholic church and so I drew my doctrine based upon what I was taught statues crucifixes saints that you pray to and etc and I learned a very important lesson and that was what I thought was usually wrong, oh. that I needed to find out what God thought, yeah. and I would be right. Like, for instance, I, I, I pastored this old, old lady. She's about 150 billion years old. <laughs> she was there before the ark. <laughs> she was helping with the ark. She's so old. But she lost her husband, God bless her. And she had been married for, well, I think Noah did the, the ceremony between the two of them. And uh, she missed him. And she came to me and she says, Pastor Mass, uh, I want to tell you something beautiful. I talk to my husband all the time now. He comes and visits me. And, and, I, and he tells me and he gives me direction. Now, she's a Christian. She believes in God. But what she is seeing is through her own eyes. She's feeling good. She's feeling comforted. She lays in her bed that she used to share with her husband for, well, over 57 years, and he's not there anymore. And so she talks to him. And she feels him in the hallways. She feels him in the kitchen. She sets a cup of coffee for herself, and and she has an empty cup of coffee over there, and she talks to him. It was killing me to tell her what God says about that. It was killing me, but I had to. And I told her... I said her name, and I said, you can't talk to the dead. The Bible says that God does not like you talking to the dead. The Bible does not, says that God doesn't want you to talk to people that are dead, first of all, because they cannot hear you. They cannot, and I know this is offending somebody here, but I'm trying to help you. And the reason why he doesn't want you to talk to the dead is because he doesn't want you to replace the mediator That's right. between you and God, and that is Jesus Christ once you start receiving direction from somebody else, you need to question whether or not what you're feeling is actually your husband that has passed away. What you're feeling may actually be a spirit, an agent from hell, disguising himself or itself as your husband, but really keeping your eyes off of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that there is only one God, And one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The Bible says that if you go to God in any other way except through me, meaning Jesus Christ, you're a thief and a robber. That nobody can go to the Lord except you go through Jesus. This is the way to do it. Isn't that a beautiful thing? But we didn't know God. So we thought we could talk to somebody that made us feel good. So she was creating a doctrine that needed to be stopped right away. When I shared that with her, her eyes filled up with water. And she says, but I feel him so close. And my heart was going out to her. And I said, I understand that you loved him so very much. And then when you die or when the rapture takes place, you guys will be united again in a beautiful way with all of your loved ones. But you're taking your eyes off of the mediator. Jesus Christ this is what I believe the good and the evil what does God say about that this is so very very important for all of us to realize that these things are important whether we realize it or not we don't get to claim ignorance before the Lord there's only really one way to escape all of this is that making Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior That he's not one of many options. That Jesus Christ is not behind curtain number one, but you can also take curtain number two and curtain number three. Jesus Christ is the only son of God. Can you say amen to that? He is the only answer. There are some here, if you wouldn't mind me mentioning about those 9 o'clock people, but boy, I got an earful from them. Oh, yes. They should have seen how holy you are, but listen to this about those 9 o'clock people. Some of those 9 o'clock people that came to church today, and by the way, I kid around with my own church like this, and I always talk bad about the opposite. I tell the 9 o'clock about the 11, and the 11 o'clock about the 9, and, and it's just for fun. But the 9 o'clock people, they have a way of sharing the tree of life, but also mixing it with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In other words, they like their eyes enlightened to their own opinion. They like their eyes opened to their own personal views about things. And that's how religions start, by the way, and that's how doctrines start. You know, one of the reasons I was sharing with Pastor Sarah, by the way, man, you've got a good assistant pastor here, she's really good. We went, we went to Guatemala together with her team and our team. When we went up there together, I had some time to sh- to share. She knows this. Uh, they often up there, and the reason why I go to Guatemala is to make sure that the doctrine up there is right. Because when you're way up in the mountains up there, and they truly are the forgotten people, your doctrine can go awry by just one old man sitting on a rock thinking, you know what, I think i got a better idea. <laughs> or some woman just thinking, you know what, I think. And they start to mix their religion with Catholicism, and with the Bible, and they start to use and mix white magic, and they start using the blood from chickens, and they start using um, black stones and white stones that are holy. They become idols. And so I wanna go up there all the time and keep them focused on Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible does say it, let me say it again love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. You say, well, how do I know the characteristics of God? It's right here in the Word of God. That's why so many of us do this. Well, I think, it's my opinion, I am of the persuasion that could be exactly the opposite of what God is saying. Once again, you have this sharing of the trees of good and evil and also of the tree of life, sharing, going back and forth. Well, point number one about that, too many churches have an affinity with the world. They like to bring in the world in order to try to coo and try to bring in, if you would, worldly people so that they could see. It's like a bait and switch so they can see Christ. The problem is, is that when you bring the world in, you taint the place of God. It taints the house of God. It taints the presence of God. You know, I didn't go to a church. I went to a church. When I got saved, there was only 24 people in the whole church. And that was the first salvation. I was the first convert probably in a billion years in that church. They didn't know how to save. They didn't know how to grow. So when I got it, I got it under the worst conditions. But when I got it, it was a tragic, chaotic event. My, my, Myself, I died. The old man died. Not my father. Me. The old man. I died. I died to self. And it was horrible. I had to give up my life. And this all took place within minutes. It's called repenting. And then I received the gift of the Holy Spirit right there on the spot. I began to speak in a language I've never studied before. And I couldn't copy anybody because I'd never heard it before. I'd never read it before. As a matter of fact, when they were showing me Bible scriptures before I got saved, I was F-bombing the scriptures. I was, I was doing terrible things because I was seeing out of my own eyes. But when he saved me, I began to see out of God's eyes. And so I wanted to become... Whoops. I'm standing on the word. What I I wanted to say was that that when you shear the trees, you're a dichotomy. You're having problems because the scriptures bring out very, very clearly that you can't serve God and mammon. A house divided... Cannot stand, it will fall. It's like a a, a house, uh, the foundation is on sand. The Bible talks about you're neither hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm. You're right in the middle, so I'll spew you out of my mouth. It's kind of like a fickle religion. And I was telling somebody in in the back room over there, the reason why people don't sleep soundly is because they're in the middle of something. They're in the betwixt an unconventional Situation where there is a need for a decision to be made. Once a person is resolved, they all of a sudden calm down. I've studied psychology. I'm running out of time, I know that. But I've studied psychology for years. And let me just say this to you. A person that has ideals of committing suicide will sleep horribly because they're going back and forth, back and forth. They have nightmares. They toss and turn. They have insomnia. But once they've made a decision... They're calm. They have a plan. And this is the reason why I bring good and evil to you. When you're totally sold out to Jesus Christ, you'll sleep soundly because you're not battling a conflict any longer. You're not going back and forth. People that are cheating on their wife or husband, they are constantly with unresolved conflict. All the time tossing and turning nervous and anxious because they're in between. They're trying to serve God and mammon alike. They have tried their view. Well, she treats me so good, she finishes my sentence. We're on the phone for hours at a time and, 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 and we, we don't want to hang up on each other. It's like, this is my, my soulmate. My, my, my soulmate. I, I should have met her first, but I didn't. I should have met him first, but I didn't. And I'm stuck with this fat bum. I'm stuck with this, this girl, this this Bowser. I, I just can't, I can't live like this anymore. And God is over here saying, take up your cross daily and follow me. Take up your cross every day and follow me. You see, when I, I've always felt like I was a homosexual. I've never been attracted to girls. I've never been attracted to guys. I, I, I was born like this, which is not true. They have proved this, and I don't want to get into it, but I taught psychology at Lamar University for three years. It's in the text. It's in the text that there is no gay gene. That's a whole nother story. But I'm so conflicted. I I feel so, so attracted to the same sex. So if I was born this way, it can't be wrong. It's natural. And God is over here saying, no son, no daughter, this is wrong. This is an abomination to me. Don't do this. Well, what do I do then? Because I'm not attracted to the girl. Well, first deliverance. And if deliverance never happens, you need to live your life like a single person. Live your life with abstinence. Live your life not sleeping with somebody. Single people have no sex life. Am I preaching good? Yay! Yay for me! (laughs) I'm trying. I really am. And thank you for for handling this. And I know for some of you, just, just humor me. I'm almost done. Drunkenness, through the eyes of God, is folly. You make a fool of yourself. You make a fool of the gospel. Drunkenness. In the eyes of the world, I need a rest. I need fun. I need to have a blast. I need to party. I need to throw down. I need to go, woo! In the eyes of God, cheating is understandable? No. With cheating? Lying? Stealing? Well, what is stealing? Stealing? Is stealing? Well, I stole from Kmart and they won't miss it. They got lots of them. Well, I really didn't steal it. My baby stole it. It was in the baby carriage. Or they gave me too much change. It was a blessing. The window was open, so I reached in. (laughs) In the eyes of God, lying is part of the Ten Commandments. In our eyes, I had to lie. She really is fat. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's wrong. Bad, Pastor. Bad. I close with this in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verses 1 through 5. But mark this: there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, have a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them, with such people. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. When God sees the two being brought together, or when he sees that you're living a life that you believe is right in your own sight, that is called self-righteousness. He hates that. He says this also, that the proud, I resist. I oppose The proud. The Bible says about proudful people. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. I don't care what the Bible says, I'm right about this. The proud. Don't we admire the way we look? Don't we just admire the way everybody else looks? We saw a modeling thing going on in our mall, and did I tell you that already? It was to the nine o'clock. It was just teenagers walking up and down, learning how to be a model. They just was working it, working it, working it. Doing that face where you're supposed to be serious. Like, I don't like what I'm wearing. Working it, working it, working it, working it. My daughter, 14 years old, it was her birthday. We were shopping, and she goes, Daddy, are they getting paid to walk? I said, no, 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 no. They're being paid to cause others to want to look like them, to want to wear clothes like them. It's creating an envy. It's creating a lust. I lust after wearing those clothes. I lust after being anorexic. I lust after being skinny. You see, we admire each other through our own eyes. Aren't we so handsome? Aren't we so pretty? Yes, I am, aren't I? I need to get lipo. I need my lips inflated. I need a butt lift. I need liposuction. I need fat to be sucked out of my body. I need to look good. This is admiring one another. But in the eyes of God, God says in the last days will be self-admirers looking to cause others to envy.